On today's podcast, we break down chapter six of The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. This one was a mixture of his words and mine, but more so uh, Ashley and I translated into how to basically protect your ignition, your passion, your spark, design your environment to guarantee your success and get into movement. And so this part of the book is where the how gets put into place. For everybody who always asks me how, like, okay, cool, like how, that's what we talk about in this episode. We also remind you of the models and the things that you can use, the behaviors and spark a ton of ideas. And I do have one ask though, is I would love to hear from you. On this episode, I talk a lot about environmental design and some tips and tricks that I have, but I want to hear from you. So when you listen to this show and you're done, could you please DM me some of your tips and tricks? And if if needed, like if you send me enough, I'm going to record another episode uh, as an environmental design bonus to this to, to give people tips and tricks because I would love to hear yours. But I'm going to stop bumping my gums. This is chapter six of The Talent Code by Daniel Cole. Without further ado, let's get into the intro. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 394 of the podcast of the Mind of Georgia. We are getting into the talent code again, and this time is chapter six. And this book is incredible. And this is where the rubber meets the road with this book. This is where the how comes in. This is where, you know, everybody always wants to know, like, what creates momentum? What gets ignition? What gets us into the work? And and in the first couple of chapters of this book, in the first couple of episodes, if you haven't listened to them, go back and listen to them. You find your ignition, you find your spark, right? You figure out how to fill that bucket. And in this one, what they basically break down is that ignition doesn't come with a guarantee. And it's very tricky to keep the fire lit and that motivational fire lit, which is something we talk about all the time. And so when Ash and I were going through this book, and just for the record, I've read this book a few times. Ash has read it like twice. And some of it's really heady. And some of it's really, really like, I almost want to call it esoteric with the terms. And so we decided for this chapter, we're going to use some of their notes, but because we've been anchoring this in with our models and languages, we're going to kind of tell you where the rubber meets the road here, right? So when we talk about a lot of this, when we talk about success, when we talk about consistency, when we talk about where we're going, we've talked hundreds of times about needle movers, right? Or clockwork with Mike Michalowicz about identifying your queen bee role, right? Or knowing that you might want to achieve all these goals in your life, but If you do these three things every single day, they're guaranteed to get you closer. And no matter which book I read to you, no matter which author I have on the podcast or who I interview, for me, I I like to keep this really, really simply put. And and I have to thank the Marine Corps for this when it comes to quote unquote motivation or keeping that fire lit. I think I was blessed to understand that motivation is not something that (laughs) you find. It's something that you make when you feel like you can't. And Motivation for me comes from looking behind me and having a trailing chapter marker of evidence focusing on the gain that I've made. So when I recommend that book, The Gap and the Gain for you, the reason is this perspective is huge because the longer you're in this game, the longer you work on yourself, the longer you work on your awareness, you find your passions, you build your business, the longer you're in that game, 
the gap between the lessons gets greater and greater and greater. And the resistance gets greater and greater and greater. And so the analogy that I'll use is like, if you tell me right now, you want to go um, start your first business, or let's say you want to lose 30 pounds and you've never worked out before. And you're like, yeah, I want to lose 30 pounds. And then I want to run my first ever marathon in under five hours. I'm like, amazing. And in the beginning, we're going to lose weight quick. We're going to get times down, right? You might run your five-hour marathon. Then a year later, you might make it to four hours and then three hours. But then there's this magical thing that happens. Once you hit that three-hour mark for a marathon, it then takes three years to drop a minute. And then when you hit the two-hour mark, it takes a decade for you to drop 10 seconds. And so it's one of these things that we have to remember that motivation comes from consistently doing the behaviors that are going to get us closer. And when we feel like we're losing motivation or lacking motivation to pause, to turn around and look where we've come from and look how far we've come rather than what's ahead of us and how big of a gap is left. And so for me, motivation is all about perspective. And Elon Musk says this, and he said in a quote, and he's like, uh, somebody was asking about sending people to Mars. And he's like, well, I'd rather set the goal of sending them in a year than 10 years, because even if I don't make it, I'm going to be farther than the guy who gave himself 10 years to get there. And it's just about setting these goals and setting these things in motion and then giving yourself the time and the space to see it all the way through. And when things get hard, when things struggle, when we get hit with resistance, it's okay to feel those things. We talk about that all the time. We have tools for that. We just recorded a breathwork session for you on the podcast to get back into your body with my dear friend, Zach, who's actually sitting eight feet away from me because I wanted a live studio audience today. But it's really, really important that your success is going to come down to the moments where things get hard, where you feel like the motivation isn't there, when you don't remember that ignition or that spark or that dream. In those moments, not believing what you're hearing, but having the ability to pause and then find that thing, those behaviors in the beginning or those things that you can do. And if you can't do them, then look back and look at how far you've come, right? It's easy to look at things in the current moment and be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm such a failure. I'm such a boom. And, and this happens in my circle all the time. The amount of my friends that are like centimillionaires that will tell me they're a failure and that they're failing in life and business. And then you just have to remind them of what they've done and what they've come from and the impact they've made and things like that. It's really easy to forget. And so for me, the consistency comes down to you having a perspective, right? And, and one famous thing that Lindsay has said to me for years is that commitment is not feelings. And I think motivation comes from understanding that at its premise. Commitment is when you say you want to do something, irregardless of how you feel. And when you don't feel like doing it, you do it anyways. And Mike Tyson says, discipline is doing the things that you hate doing, but doing them like you love doing it. And when we think about motivation, motivation comes from consistently doing the things that we commit to, irregardless of how we feel about them. And it's in those moments that we do it, that we rewrite our story about ourselves, that we recondition the behaviors to then it becomes a default that when things get hard or when things get resistance, our solutions just take over and we stay focused on the goal because we know that that's what's going to get us there. And so in the book, in chapter six, they talk about the Little League baseball accomplishments how they started as an underdog and they became widely accomplished due to two singular moments of ignition. And these two moments then created an extraordinary infusion of new recruits for their Little League program. Uh, what they share in the book, the way they call it in the book is called the talent bloom. 
A talent bloom is basically when one person nails a talent, like they have a breakthrough performance or moment, and it creates a wave of more people who are inspired to pursue that same talent. So in the Little League example, because of one player's ability to hit home runs that sounded like firecrackers, it created a whole surge of new players who were inspired by him. In the entrepreneur space, this happens all the time all around us. We see a new type of video content and suddenly everyone is trying to pursue it. You hop on Instagram and you see more and more people telling you to do a specific type of reel. You'll see that in a sense, these are like trends, but with talent blooms, they don't always ignite or take off. For your sake, your chosen talent bloom is your niche, passion, or what you've chosen to pursue regardless if anyone else has also chosen that in any kind of way. And usually what is missing for them to take off is what is called a talent hotbed, right? So for me, my talent bloom, for lack of better terms, would basically be this podcast, right? Relationships with algorithms, the way I do business, right? When I started teaching people seven years ago (laughs) that if you loved your people, you'd make more money, all of you told me I was crazy. Uh, I remember it vividly. I've been booed out of meetings, told I couldn't keynote. Nobody wanted to listen to it. Everybody just wants transactions. And uh, I'll just say this now. And I've been waiting so long to say this in 2023. I told you so. Um, Sorry, I had to get that out. My ego needed a little validation. I was feeling insecure in that moment. (laughs) But with that, when I made the decision, I was like, I want to do this different. I want everybody to win before I win. I want to coach different. I want to do events different, right? I had this ignition that got me excited because I didn't like how I felt when I went to other events. I didn't like what I experienced when I was in other coaching programs and masterminds. And so I got that ignition and what do they call it? The talent bloom. And I was like, there's a better way. And I started doing events eight years ago, a better way, a different way. Now we're still doing those events, but now my friends do events and I've learned from them and they've learned from me and we've all grown. And so that was our talent bloom. And so then a talent hotbed is what allows it to take off. And talent hotbeds are are to primal cues what Las Vegas is to neon signs, flashing with the kind of signals that keep motivation burning. It's the constant reminders, messages, and the visual reminders, even with words that keep us going. We often have these in our everyday life, all flashing signals that add to one energizing message. The messages vary, and while it could be positive or negative, it possesses more than a single primal cue. And remember, primal cues are, in our language, social triggers, right? There's these things that pop up that remind us of something, okay? And so they contain complex collections of signals. There's people, there's images, ideas, and these are the things that can keep ignition going for the weeks, months, and years that skill growing requires. So basically what they're talking about is that with the talent hotbeds, it's like, let's say you have your ignition, your spark, or your idea, right? Whatever that thing is, your business, your passion, right? For me, it's my events. It's only one part of it for me to have the idea. But in order for me to succeed, I had to immerse myself in that environment. And actually, what's funny is Zach is sitting in my office. But in my office, this entire office, there is not one thing in here that doesn't belong, that does not remind me of relationships beating algorithms. Like literally everything, everything on the wall, the crystals, the altars, my family, the pink sofa, the books, like there is nothing accidental in this office. My consumption of social media, what I consume on social media, all of those things are things in our environment. And the thing that we have to ask ourselves are the primal cues in our environment or what they call the talent hotbeds, are these reminding us of the things that we committed to? Are they reminding us of these ignition things or are they distracting us from them? And so you already know motivation can be turned on or off and it can be triggered by primal cues, right? So what we're talking about is how your environment 
can either trigger you to go take the behavior of your future or trigger you to take the behavior of your past. And it can be triggered. So how can you more deeply trigger it to spark for you? And that for me and Ashley, when we were going through this and talking about this, is the most important part of this. And and it's something I've been bullish on. But you have to recognize that you have your entire life and your entire existence of area that you take in on any given notice. And I can never remember the stats on the human brain on how much information the subconscious calculates because it's an astronomical number. But all too often we forget that this exists and our environment is what dictates our ability to carry this ignition through the finish line. And if you're surrounded by people who think your ideas are crazy or it's not going to work or it's always hard, it's going to be really hard when the other rest of the world is saying your business isn't going to work to remind yourself that it is and there's another way. And so you have to be willing to look at this integrously. This isn't a joke. This isn't like a, an easy button. This isn't a woo-woo. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't think it's easy. It's a challenge for me every day. It requires a level of intention that makes me uncomfortable. It's hard to sometimes be sitting in my chair in my office when I'm here alone and have a great day and then have a bad thought and then not want to go scroll on Instagram or doom scroll on YouTube or go look for evidence, right? And those moments still happen, but it's hard in this office because I'll do it and I'll look up and two minutes later, I'm looking at my Marine uniform or the picture of my family. And then I'm like, oh, I guess you needed a minute. And then it reminds me like, oh, it looks like I was feeling something that made me want to hide on Instagram. (laughs) And I can look at it and it reminds me, maybe it doesn't change anything, but it's like, hey, is this what you wanted? Is this what you said? Is this, and my buddy Scott Oldford said this on a podcast when he was on our show, he said he has an alarm go off on his phone twice a day. And it says the same thing. Is what you're currently doing aligned with your vision? And if the answer is no, then you make an adjustment, but your environment, you take it in 24-7. You're surrounded by your phone, your computer, your car, your coworkers, your desk, your kids, your gym, your clothing, like millions and millions and millions of cues that whether you recognize it or not, those cues are reminding you of something. And when you start to understand the power of them and harness them, you can design your environment to guarantee your success. And, and I talk about this on the podcast publicly that I've, I've said this so many times that I really feel like I'm only successful because I built a container around me that invalidated my excuses. That was it. That was it. I had an environment, routines, and structures that just didn't allow me to get in my way. But I'm going to be bullish on environmental design because when you have that spark, when you have that idea, and you get it, you're probably never going to have that level of excitement about it again until you're looking back and telling the story of how you did it all and you're all done. And so when you have that spark and you get it, you need to harness every ounce of it, get every ounce of detail, clarity, texture, and remind yourself of it often so that when you get into the world and you lose your best client or your best employee quits or your ad account gets shut down and it's so hard to see that you can remember that spark and you can recognize that there's a lesson right? Because business comes down to continually swinging the bat, making adjustments and learning until it works. And that's what it comes down to with your life and your success. And this book and the talent code, you can apply this to business, to your personal life, to your relationships, to anywhere. But what matters to me more than anything is that you apply it. And these are things that I remind myself of. Zach just did a breathwork session for me. And I reflected to him how those reminders were things that I needed right now because I have the practice 
but the lessons are new and the depth of the practice is required for me to dance a little differently to be with that. And it's this constant evolution of like, hey, nope, it's not about changing gyms. It's about going back to the same gym and changing my workout, right? It's about consistently going back to the things that help. And so in the book, they talk about doing experiment where kids were praised for their effort versus praised for their intelligence. And I do love this part. When praised for their effort, they improved their scores by 30% versus when they were praised for their intelligence, it declined by 20%. And in the book, uh, they do and talk about this entire study, but they were basically talking about what makes people great and improve. And, And the way that you look about it is when they were acknowledging the kids about how hard they worked in practice and the things that they put in and not the results, they actually improved. When they were acknowledged for the results, I think if I remember correctly, there was this piece where it almost turns it off for them to want to pursue it. So their performance declines because now that ignition, that spark, that hunger isn't there anymore, right? It's the same thing. I use this analogy. It's like, you can always tell if somebody wins their first title or their first race, in my opinion, in their post-race interview or their post-fight interview, if they're ever going to win again or not. And I will tell you the easiest cue. The moment they're like, I have nothing to say. I have work to do. Guaranteed they're going to win again. The moment they're like, I've made it. I'm the best in the world. I got nothing left to do. They're guaranteed to lose. It's just a matter of time because it's never about the result, right? It's never. It's always about the process and protecting that process by protecting the things that remind you of your ignition and using your environment to remind you of that ignition and that idea that you have and your talent bloom and pick whatever language. That thing that you do that you love doing, you need to be reminded of it so that that's constantly your home base. That's your blueprint that you're building off of. Effort-based language works because it speaks to the core of the experience. Motivational language works best when you reach down, affirm the struggle, and praise their effort, as opposed to praising hopes, dreams, or affirmation style. There's a place for both, but what I would like to do is make sure you have a mix of both. And, And for me, these notes are about really you for you. They're talking about this in the Little League. But it really says the best thing you can do is acknowledge and see yourself for the effort you're making, not the result. And we talk about this all the time. Like when you're trying to make money, you're trying to make $100,000. The $100,000 comes after an equal sign. It's not something that you can't do. Like Zach can look at me right now. And I love that he's off camera. This is so great. And he'd be like, George, I want to make a a million dollars right now. And I'm like, oh, do it. No matter what, he's going to have to get up and do something plus something to equal something. It's always that. Abundance is a byproduct. Money is a byproduct. Your fitness is a byproduct. The things that you want are a byproduct, but they're never permanent. They're just mile markers. When you fall in love with the process, instead of the byproduct, when the byproduct happens, you're like, oh, I tried to come in first place. I came in third. But if I say I failed, that means everything I did to get in third place was worthless and I should start over, but it's not true. What if I only missed first place by a half a second? What if it was my start? What if it was my pacing, right? I need to go back at my training and look at what it was and then say what worked, what didn't work, and what can I change? And so for you, I would invite you constantly to use and measure yourself against your effort. The reason I'm so bullish on this when we talk about environmental design to remind you of what matters and you're like, well, how do I measure my effort? That's where the wedge of expectation comes in, right? 
what are the things that are important to you around this spark or your ignition? What is it that you want to do? And what are the behaviors that are guaranteed to get you there? If you do that, you get to measure your effort. You can see every day that when you do that, whether it's your 10 minutes of breath or your 30 minutes of free riding or whatever that thing is for you, you have tangible, measurable evidence that shows you that you're making progress, which eradicates any evidence that your idea is not a good idea because you know that when you do A plus B, it gets you closer or equals C. And this is a game about consistently getting back to that thing over and over and over. And so the wedge of expectations is designed so that you can be crystal clear that when you have that spark or that ignition, that these are the things that are going to get you closer. I didn't say it's going to get you there. No, there exists. We don't even know what there looks like. And you might think you know what there looks like, and it's going to look a thousand times different when you get closer. It's about asking what's going to get us closer and then protecting those. That's the wedge of expectations that keeps you accountable and puts it into commitment. Now I made the SOS. And the SOS is designed so that when you have that wedge of expectations and those behaviors every day, but you lose that spark and you can't remember that ignition, your SOS is designed to get you back in your body or get you back into perspective to get back to your wedge of expectations, to get back to doing the one plus one to equal the two. And so I will tell you that I think the most important thing you can always do is only measure yourself on the integrity and intention of your input, never the result that they create because that allows you to make adjustments and get back into work. And so for me, this comes down to some simple how ideas. There's not a right way to do this. There's not a wrong way to do this. But if you're 20 minutes into this, you probably thought of 30 ideas already when I was talking about environment or music. You're like, oh, I'm never going to stop listening to that podcast, or I'm never going to stop listening to that musician. Whatever one that one is, that's the first one you start with. You're welcome. That's your admission of guilt right there, right? But No matter what, what you want to look for and what you want to think about is like where in your life, where in the areas of your life do you find yourself having good memories where you're in your space and you're like, every time I feel bad, I look at this thing and I feel good. And then do the same thing of like, where else do I not feel good or where else does the clutter not make me feel good? And just start doing an inventory of your environment around you and start asking yourself, like, how's this make me feel in my body? Or How's this make me feel? Or look at your habits and routines, right? I use carpooling or or driving as an example all the time because I commute a lot uh, intentionally. But that's one of my favorite times because I can sit there and consume music or I can sit there in silence and consume my own intuition. And, and I prefer that method, right? But that method allows me to sit with my feelings and to be there, right? And so in your environments, only you know what sparks and reminders bring you joy. So for me, one of my love languages is affirmations. Uh, words of affirmation. It, it is my primary love language, right? And relationship speed algorithms, the, the thing that I do, uh, or I'm trying to do, I don't even know what I do, to be honest with you, but whatever I'm attempting to do right now, and you're listening to this, it gets hard sometimes. Um, it, I've been punched in the face numerous times in this game, and 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 sometimes it gets dark, and, and wearing your heart on your sleeve, uh, being open about your story, you know, it comes with its perks, I mean, with its perks, but it's also its downsides. And sometimes I forget that my message and my story have helped other people and I need reminders. And so directly in front of me, like in my purview right now, (laughs) six inches to the left of the camera that I'm looking at on a wall is a photo of my son when he was four days old, which is one of the most important photos for me. 
directly across from it to the sides of it are photos of my family. And below it is a cork board. And that cork board is every handwritten letter that I've ever received in the mail that's been sent to me as a thank you. And it is directly in front of my red light and my breathwork spot. And I can see it when I record every single episode of this podcast. And for me, I do that so that I'm constantly reminded who I am, not who I think I am in that moment. That is the world telling me that my spark is good, that my light is good. And anytime I forget it, I need to be reminded of the impact that's being made so I can get back to work. And all of you have that, whether it's a DM on Facebook, something somebody said to you, a note that they shared, a gift that they gave you, a reflection, a piece of words, and you deserve to feel all of that. Collect it, keep it, use it. And so some of the hows, some of the things that I like to do, like some things that you can play with, like anchoring beliefs that motivate you with environmental design. So Angie Lee, who I love to pieces, we were texting the other day, uh, she talks about poop more than anyone, period cramps, and is hilarious. And one of the brightest entrepreneurs ever and one of the greatest social media marketers ever. Um, but literally, Angie has been teaching this to women for years. And if you walk into Angie's house, everybody thinks it's a gimmick. But every mirror in her house has sticky notes on it with affirmations. And she writes them every morning. And she writes about how she wants to feel about herself and do it. And she does this multiple times a day. But you start to think about that, right? Think about the background on your phone. I have two different backgrounds on my iPhone and one of them is a pink background and then the unlock screen is a lighthouse. And when I'm feeling really abundant and really positive, that is the one. And if I'm having rough days, I change the background of my phone and then the background photo is me as a five-year-old boy. And then when I unlock it, it's a photo of my two kids. And so I even change what my iPhone looks like depending on my mood in that day. And so if I'm feeling off or I'm having a lot of negative thoughts or a lot of negative emotions or a lot of negative feelings in my body, I know I need more reminders. And so I switch my iPhone to the background that has me as a five-year-old boy because that was the best piece of coaching advice I ever got. He said, would you ever allow your son to talk to himself the way that you talk to yourself in your head? And I said, no. And so the shaman said, great. Until you don't do it anymore, I want you to put the background of your phone as you as a five-year-old boy. And every time you're being mean to yourself, I want you to pick it up. I want you to look at it. And I want you to try to say it out loud to yourself. And not once have I ever been able to say it. And so that is a very big anchor for me. And so in environmental design, you can use these subtle cues. I have music and songs, right? Like we just did breath work. And he uses a aura cleansing songs, which I've actually heard before, but I have a really good anchor with because it's also on my playlist. And so I have a playlist on Spotify that I made called Mindset Change. And it is 14 songs that every time I listen to them, those 14 that are in there, no matter what, change my state of mind. Some of them are anchored into a breath work. Some were a positive memory with a friend, right? And so what you want to do is start collecting tools and things around you that remind you of your ignition, your spark, or your truth. Uh, use alarms on your phone, right? So remind you of who you want to be. Like we talked about this with Scott's hack earlier, right? Uh, I also use Zapier <laughs> and I text myself every single day. And so I wrote out seven affirmations about myself and I made seven statements about who I wanted to be as a man. My first one ever from personal development was I'm a loving, passionate, trusting man. And that was my contract that I wrote in my journal every day for six years. And over the years, I added some words and there's about you know, six or seven of them that I say all the time. So in Zapier, I went in 
and I automated it. So every morning at 5 a.m., I get a text message from myself with one of my own affirmations for the day. So when my alarm goes off, it's the first thing I see on my phone. And that goes out every single day, right? It's also how I do my trash reminders. I have it text me on Thursday nights to put the barrels out, right? So I use my environment to remind me of things all the time. So where can you do that, right? Can you change your alarm tone on your phone to your favorite song that reminds you of your power so you wake up to it every day, right? Can you have a nighttime routine where you fall asleep to that thing that anchors in those beliefs, right? What you need to do more than anything is observe. When you finish this episode, observe and look for these areas and look for these pockets where you have all this real estate in your life, the 99% of real estate in your environment that hasn't been touched. And how can you use that to anchor in and remind you of who you are, of what you're committed to, of all of those beautiful things. Number three is writing out your I am statement every morning as part of your practice to remind yourself of the man you you want to be. This has been one of the core practices in my life. Uh, Benjamin Hardy in his book, Personality is Impermanent, and Nicole LaPera in her book, Do the Work, both teach the concept of future self-journaling. I do this with my clients. This is in the sacred lightkeeper quadrants that we've taught you all. But every morning is a part of my practice, whether I write it or say it, the first thing I do when I wake up every day, the alarm goes off, <laughs> I see the text message, and then I lay there and my stillness practice is just 10 minutes in my bed. And the first question I ask myself every morning is who do I want to be today? And then I answer with three words. I do it the same every day. I pick, I say, I am a blank, blank, and blank man. And so I'm a loving, passionate, trusting man. I am a giving, safe, loving man. I am a happy calm, supportive man. And what I pick is I pick three behaviors that would help me be who I want to be in that moment. And then when I get up, I write them down. I write that statement down. So I either text it to myself, I write it in my journal, and that's my statement for the day. And then if I get off during the day, I'll write it again. I'll write it again. Like Bart Simpson, you fucked up your homework, right? You know, my dog ate my homework 20 times. I use it the other way. I'm a loving, passionate, trusting man. I'm a loving, passionate, trusting man, right? So just start thinking about ways that you can do this. Number four, immerse yourself in music that captivates the feeling of what you want to convey. Easy hack is to make a playlist with your I am statement and curate songs that make you feel like those three things. And so one of the ways that we teach this is I'll have people make their I am statement. And Zach might be, I am a safe, loving, powerful man. And so I'll have Zach pick or I'll go through over our time together and we'll find songs or he'll have songs. And I'll have him pick them and I'll have him put them on the playlist on Spotify. And then I have him name the Spotify playlist, his statement. I am a powerful, loving, strong man. And then in the description on the Spotify playlist, I have him write in there exactly what he wants to be reminded of when he listens to it. Remember, you made this playlist so that when you were feeling like this, you wouldn't allow yourself to feel like this anymore because you know when you listen to this, it will put you back in your body and the only thing you can do is act. And then you make that your anchor. And so the SOS that I'm so bullish on, you'll remember the first part is inner tools. And the inner tools is anything that you have at your disposal to remind you of your ignition. My number one inner tool is breath. I tell you this every single time. My number two is outside with nature. and My number three is music that anchors me in, right? And so if I have my wedge of expectations of these behaviors that protect my ignition, and then I have this SOS that's designed that if I get stuck, I have this tool to go back onto. And then in these tools are all these reminders of my ignition, my spark, my passion, my joy. The only thing I'm left with is that Arnold says, pick up the weight and put it down. 
because at that point, there's nothing really left in the way. And so what we want to do is we want to understand that there's not a finish line in this game about your talent, about your ignition. There's a relationship that deepens. Our job is to have an awareness of these things and then make adjustments. And then if our environment isn't stimulating growth anymore, change the environment. If it's not bringing us joy anymore, change the environment. If that thing that used to work is no longer working, change the environment. What matters is that you have a relationship with yourself and your talent and that you constantly adjust the relationship of your environment around you where you are, just like you adjust the relationship with your food, your clothing, your friends based on your growth. And so then that's another way, right? And so I'm trying to throw out as many ideas as I can in like environmental design, but I think you get the point. You want to start to find things that anchor in who you are and who you want to be. And then you want to start utilizing the environments that exist around you. And you have your physical environment, right? You have your digital environment, and then you have like your emotional, spiritual, and physical environment or emotional and spiritual environment, right? So like your physical environment, your home, your office, your desk, your car, your bathroom. So uh, if anybody ever comes to all of my houses, you'll know this. Zach knows this because he's peed in my toilet. Uh, but above every toilet in every house I own is the same quote. And that's on purpose. It's the old Cherokee quote about the two wolves and whichever one wins is the one that you feed. It is above every toilet in every house that I own because I pee about 12 to 13 times a day, which means I have to read that quote about shadow versus light about 13 times a day every time that I pee. Or I have to be honest and say you're peeing on your phone because you don't want to look at the quote. And then I'm reminded by the monk who was on our podcast who said, if you can't take a shit or go to the bathroom without your phone, you're not living. And then that environmental design holds me accountable. Either way, I win, right? And so you can find ways to surround yourself with this all the time. But that's your physical environment. Then you have your digital environment. Like think about your email, your computer, the background of your computer, your phone, your apps, right? When you pick up your phone, does it bring you joy and ease or does it feel overwhelming because of all the notifications and how the apps aren't done? When Nir Ayal was on the podcast, who wrote the book Indistractable, and he's an incredible behavioral uh, person, he talks about this all the time. And so whatever that is for you, I want you to start utilizing your environment. And I want you to set yourself up to win. Because if your spark is the game, your environment is the stadium that allows that game to safely take place. And you need to build a stadium that protects that game. And that's what you're doing with these practices and with these things. And so add these things to your environment, make them a part of your SOS, retake a look at your wedge of expectations and start getting into the things that will protect this ignition and protect your progress and keep you moving forward because it truly is the secret. And so that's where I wanted to land the plane today. This went a little longer than I thought, but I was a little fired up because Zach got me all fucking spicy earlier, breathing and good. But this, we talked about this a lot today and this is it. This is, this is it. I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to be saying this a lot. At the end of the day, no matter what, no matter what situation you're in, you're going to be the one that gets you out, no matter what. And so whether it's this book series, whether it's this one about your ignition, whether it's another podcast or anything, we're always going to come back to these same lessons. You have an idea, and that idea is your vision. And you know what? It can be done. Just because nobody's done it doesn't mean it can't be done. Welcome to how the world works. But it's your vision, which means nobody's ever done it before, which means there is no path. There is no guarantee. Just the fact that you're going to be committed until it's complete and you call it complete. 
And so when you get that, the things in this podcast, the things that I talked about today, the environmental design, when you understand the severity of that, you'll start investing in these things and realizing the compounding interest it has in your life. Because when you change the environment around you, it changes everything that happens inside of it. And so start there and make adjustments as you go and keep protecting your progress. And that's what we have for chapter six of the talent code with Daniel Coyle today. We're going to land this plane. If you haven't listened to the other ones, go listen. And if you didn't just because I told you to, thank you for being just like me. I don't follow the rules either. So don't go listen to them. If you haven't, don't. I don't think you should, but we'll see if that works. But either way, I appreciate you guys immensely. We'll be back with the next one. We'll get this up. Most importantly, remember one thing, relationships beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself. And it matters. You're incredible. I appreciate you. The world appreciates you. Your gift, your talent, whatever come up for you today, whatever you felt today, whatever you felt inspired to feel, do, or act today is needed. Me, my team, our community, our whole family is here to support you. Know that I appreciate you immensely. I'm incredibly proud of you. And you already have it complete. Just take this bite by bite, piece by piece, breath by breath, put these pieces into place and just keep going. We got you. We'll be here. That's how the game is done. So I'm going to wrap. I'm going to chug my cold Americano from this morning and then uh, we'll be back soon. So have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful one. Here's the outro. We out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.